Lady Susan. Lady Susan Vernon. How dare you address me, sir? Lady Susan. Be gone, sir. I will have you whipped. Outrageous. Have you never met him? No, I know him well. I would never speak to a stranger like that. Welcome back to Film Ireland uh, on the special 4th of July edition. It won't be the 4th of July when you hear it, but it is when we're recording it. So insert firework noises here. I am still Richard Drum, and I am once again joined by... Sarah Cullen. <laughs> Good, good. Not knowing your own name no, there, which may be a recurring theme this episode, uh-huh. or not. <laughs> anyway, starting off with sad news: many people died in the last mm-hmm. few weeks. Um, I suppose the biggest one, maybe not the biggest one, but probably the most high-profile one in terms of how shocking it was, was Anton Yelchin, who we were just talking about last episode about Green Room, and he was. I'm still. It's still a bit unclear what happened. He was pinned by his own car because the car he had. Was part of a recall, and did you hear that? No, Ooh, no, I didn't hear yeah, that. like he left his car in neutral, or he did, he did put the handbrake. I'm not sure which, whatever it was. There was a news report afterwards that that uh, line had been recalled. Oh my god! No. So there was some defect with the brakes, anyway. And then yes, he got pinned against his own mailbox and died at 27. I think wasn't it? Yes, it was. So yeah. part of the 27 club. I mean, out of all the celebrity deaths in the last year, that one kind of hit me the weirdest because when I first started getting into movies, I remember like he was one of the first actors I latched onto. Going, this oh, okay. is a nice up and coming guy. Seems cool. And now mm. he's like, oh, he's 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 dead. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I think Star Trek is going to be his last thing then, I guess. Or had he made anything else that wasn't released yet? I'm not sure. Yeah, no, I think it is. Which yeah, I mean, for me, like he was the best part of the new. I think a lot of people would say that. <laughs> I mean, it feels like now we're just saying it because he's dead now, but like genuinely, that's the reason I went back to watch them. So. I think that's the reason I saw that's it in the first place. I never actually cared about Star Trek mm, as a kid. Yeah, I was like, yeah. yeah, I like him. I like Quinto. Yeah, because um, yeah, a lot of people have been rewatching his movies, obviously, since mm. then. And I think people are forgetting just stuff like, do you see, was it like crazy? No. Where it's him, Felicity Jones, uh-huh. Jennifer Lawrence. Like all these people that are now huge in this like uh-huh. weird little depressing rom-com romance I suppose but uh, yeah a lot of uh, a lot of good movies a lot of ones you didn't get to make what would you what would your single film recommendation be for a Yelchin retrospective I don't know I actually don't know that I've seen that many yeah. of like last last week actually we were talking about mm. the, uh, Fright or last month rather Fright Night yeah I really enjoyed it, that Fright Night but I I actually to be honest I mean maybe only seen them in three or four movies okay yeah. i've seen a lot of his stuff i know he was in an episode of yeah. caribbean enthusiasm uh oh, yeah. i didn't know I that, that until someone posted on twitter I was like oh my god like looking at 12 year old him <laughs> and then he was in that movie at morgan freeman about the kidnappings along came a spider i want to say okay. yeah uh, I mean, he's probably been in movies for longer than he hasn't been which is weird like he's only now that you said that's very philosophical yes uh, <laughs> i can't really argue with that fact yeah. i'm trying to think like yeah um if you hadn't seen it, I'd probably say I'd watch it like crazy. I do think mm. Odd Thomas is not a bad one. Okay. Ever read the book or anything? No. No, no. Uh, that's a weird movie that... Because it, re- it didn't get released was the problem because the, there was some weird marketing tax dodge or something mm. and the producers all fell out, fell out and it didn't get distribution and then it got cut down. 50 Cent was supposed to be in it, but I think oh. his entire film sequence was cut out. But uh, Willem Dafoe's in it. Patton Oswalt's in it. It's, it. it's not a bad movie. It's okay. okay. Yeah. Anyway, so that's the first of the, the death notices for this month. Famed director of The Wicker Man, Robin Hardy, also died. Which, some of these people you kind of think, oh, they were still alive. Like, Wicker Man <laughs> feels like it's ancient. Like, mm-hmm. It was probably the mid-70s, wasn't it, really? Okay, yeah, yeah. 
and I think he'd planned to finish off his Wicker trilogy. Did you hear about this? No. There's a second Wicker Man film, kind of, not the remake of Nick Cage, okay. <laughs> called The Wicker Tree. Oh. Which I watched recently enough. It's not bad. Mm. It, it's a group of like puritanical Christian rock sort of singers that mm. go to basically Summer Isle again. And it's the same, just ritual nonsense. Uh, but it's it's not kind of Wicker Man at the end. It's something else. I can't remember what it is. But it, it's not bad. Uh, Christopher Lee has a very brief cameo in it. Very badly CGI'd in. He was supposed to be in it in this as the same character again, but he'd broken his back or something. Nice. Or not broken his back. Injured his back shooting some... What was the Hammer Horror film a few years ago? There was a one recently? Yeah. That was something to do with... I feel like Door was in the title. Um, oh. Couldn't tell you. Okay. Anyway, you can just have on that. Couldn't do it. But I think Robin Hardy had wanted to make a third one and finish off his you know, after-the-fact Wicker trilogy. Mm-hmm. Not that he needed to, I don't think, because The Wicker Man stands out on its own as this like great piece of folk horror cinema. Mm. And the sequel is fine. It's probably better than the remake was, but... Yeah, no, that's, that's, a, that's a sad one. Uh, also, another prolific filmmaker, of course, the maker of The Deer Hunter and Heaven's Gate, which I will say, for my shame, I have not seen either of, but I've heard they're both great and very influential. Also dead. Same day, I think. Uh, and then, of course, you also had, um, what's her name from the royal family? Uh, Carolina Hearn. Yes. Yes. Who, she was very young, actually, 52, yeah, 50, I think. Yeah, yeah, 53, possibly, God, yeah. Something, yeah, very low numbers anyway. it's yeah. It's been a rough old year, and it's only July. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm quite, um, well, obviously it's really, really sad, but I'm also very sad because um, I, you know, love the royal family and the last episode, which is a Christmas episode, mm. ended on a, a cliffhanger in which the, one of the family members had gone into labour mm-hmm. and then it was, what's going to happen next? That was about three years ago. I have a feeling we're never going to get it. <laughs> A final a finale or a conclusion to that story. If they have Marvel money, they could probably do it. Look at the yeah. look what you can do with CGI now, <laughs> with like fake Robo Robert Downey Jr. That's it. And I assume that show baby. was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that show knew when it was ending though. Like they kind of planned out the end. I never really watched. It. I saw a couple episodes and hated it, but that's okay. just as me. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure actually. I mean, I've, the Christmas specials were were one offs, right? You know, okay. so the I mean, I think the show itself probably finished eight years before or mm, something mm. Um, and the Christmas specials were actually never up to the same standard but they were always fun and sad to think there'll be no more I mean they could do more just to have her have like died off yeah, screen it, that happens well, now and again she also wrote a lot of the stuff oh really yeah, oh, she, herself and her husband in the show mm. was also her writing partner and so I mean he could I know who you mean I also can't think of his name either <laughs> there we go <laughs> this is the non-name episode no no show. truly um uh, <laughs> I suppose moving on from death to a different kind of death, Game of Thrones finished. And Sarah, you've always struck me as someone that didn't really care for Game of Thrones. Really? Yeah. Why is that? I don't know. You just hate everything that's popular. Fair enough. I mean, but no, I'd say like we discussed this like at various points in real life, and I always get the impression that you were like, "Eh, it's fine." Yeah, I mean, I suppose in a way, I maybe. I'm not as crazy about them as some people, but I think that's because I've read all the books and... Oh, have you? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I've lived with it longer than a lot of people. Okay, okay. So um, I also kind of hate some of the fandom around it. That is very <laughs> fair. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. It's, it's, it's a weird... I remember when this show first started off. I'd never heard of the books before the show started. And 
it kind of came out of nowhere mm. and i assumed like oh it's some real dry fantasy like dark fantasy thing mm-hmm. bleh. and then it got really popular and then just kept going and eventually i think we all got switched into it but mm. i don't get why it got so popular why it's still so popular i really thought it would have fallen off especially like, last season was pretty dire mm. so yeah i don't know yeah no i'm not sure like uh, it is really hard to Mm. To put put your finger on it in a way, because um, you know the books were kind of a cult thing mm-hmm. long before the show started, and like cult things don't often translate well into adaptations, so it's it's very odd. Mm-hmm. But as someone who's read the books, what do you think? Because they're kind of cut up now, aren't they? I know mm-hmm. they're ahead of it also, but they're also yeah. I think as far as they can catch up, they've caught up and then also surpassed it, obviously. Mm-hmm. But uh, how how are things stacking up? There's some things that the book, that the, sorry, that the show does a lot better than the books. Mm-hmm. Like for 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 one thing, the books at this stage they're so boring a lot of the time um, you know it's because they're obviously waiting for certain narrative threads to catch up with each other so Tyrion has been feeling sorry for himself and drinking himself to death for two books oh good 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 um, so it's nice to know that's not happening so much <laughs> in the show for example but then other things that the I think the show doesn't hasn't done very well at all I think particularly maybe this season that it's it's sort of like I think especially in the last couple of episodes, the show just decided to go for good guys versus bad guys. And that's really not what the what the, uh, the books were about at all. You see, I, I can't fault that. But at the same time, I feel like the, the reason the show was so strong at first is because it was just Shades of Grey. Mm. But they killed everyone off. So all that's left now are the archetypical villains and heroes, I feel. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why I was really happy when Jon Snow got stabbed last season. Okay. Like, yes, because I can't stand him because he's such a boring, bland, clearly the hero. So I was happy when he was yeah, killed. Yeah. Of course, he wasn't staying there. Sure, but I mean, but that, that also could be a criticism, you know, that they do just... Like, at this stage, killing people isn't actually, like, exciting. Meaningful. No, anymore. it's not at all. Because I think past maybe season four, arguably season three, you won't let yourself get invested anymore because yeah, you know yeah. you know what the show's going to do. So mm. it's pointless to like anybody. Yeah, that's it. You are sort of able to admire an author who will take a, a beloved character and get rid of them <laughs> before you expect them to go. Mm. But at the same time, there's also narrative threads that are just stopped, you know? And sometimes you... Not even that you want to, but you kind of feel like the show needs to follow those through to mm. the conclusions rather than cut them off in their prime. Yeah. So mm. um, I kind of felt that happened a little bit with the finale, but, you know. Specifics, go on. Um, we can spoil here, I think. Okay. <laughs> oh, I mean, I would have liked to see a lot more of uh, Marjorie. Yeah, that was a bit of a fuck you and all right. Um. <laughs> um, because, like... I know, obviously, she's part of the bigger, like, Thorns, or what's mm. the family called? The uh, Tyrells. Tyrells, yes. I know it's the Tyrell storyline, but is it she had a very specific um, MO uh, and a very specific way of going about that. And I'm glad her, her grandmother is still around to, like, pick up the pieces. <laughs> but having said that, yes. like, she was a really interesting character. I would have liked to see more of what she was doing. It's not going to happen, I no. assume. <laughs> Unless they make her Lady Stoneheart instead yeah, and bring her you. back. But yeah, I, I agree with that. But at the same time, I feel like I never thought she'd make it out of the show alive because mm-hmm. she was too likable. She was too good. Like She's not like a quote unquote like outright good guy, but she mm-hmm. was on the, the side of good by and large. Like she was manipulative and whatnot, but it never seemed as vicious or as cruel as someone like Cersei. Yeah, I guess not. But like, you know. Who knows? You know, like as in, like every character seems to have another motive behind their motive. That's true. You know? Yeah. So she could have been the most dangerous of all, but 
I think she was very dangerous. That's probably why mm-hmm. she was killed off, really, yeah. by certain, like, narrative speaking. But uh, I just feel like, I think the show, because I, like, I haven't read the books, so I don't know how they really do Cersei in the books. I feel like the show made a mess of it by not giving us that flashback to her, mm-hmm. young her, getting that the, the prophecy from not Ava Green in that shack because that for me completely changed how I looked at that mm-hmm. character because I didn't mind Cersei in the first two seasons as sort of like a pantomime villain mm-hmm. but then by season three or so she was just so needlessly cruel and just so evil for evil's sake yeah. that it got really boring and really irritating but then once you knew her backstory it all made sense like once uh-huh. you knew like yes she was prophesied to lose all her children and that she'd be usurped by Marjorie or whoever younger queen then suddenly all of her actions made sense and were entirely relatable to the point that I now absolutely love her and want her to win I know she can't win uh-huh. because she has to get stabbed by Jamie, but. Like, that last scene of her getting crowned mm-hmm. was amazing. I was so on board with that. I'm like, yes, I don't care about Danny. Danny's boring. Mm-hmm. I never liked Jon Snow. So I am 100% on Cersei's team at this point. Please let her kill everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, it's similar as well with... Um, oh, I can't even think of her name. Uh, the Catelyn Stark. Mm-hmm. Um, like, in the books... Like, it's just sort of like she spend. Well, to be honest, it's not even that much better in the show but it's a bit better when they have um her talk about how she prayed to the gods that Jon Snow would survive yeah it's like at least holy shit she actually does care about him in the books he, you know she's just a horrible horrible <laughs> human being you know really she's, oh she's like my favorite character till she dies that's really yeah, upsetting to yeah, hear like no I mean in, in a lot of ways you do root for her or whatever mm. because she's like I mean she's the Stark or whatever but like it's just she, she for some reason for not a very well explained reason she loathes this baby you know this child well that comes across in the show too but i always feel like they they, no, it does. they tempered it's, it a bit i it, guess exactly. yeah okay, yeah okay. like listen, they do have that little bit of tempering that you don't get in the books so like oh. there are yeah like the show definitely has merits and i think um there's a few things that like george or martin said if he was writing the books again he would have taken it on from the show oh yeah so it's quite quite interesting to know <laughs> That's just weird, though, because you'd feel like in an, a, a medium like television, that's where you'd get the more one-dimensional Catelyn Stark, whereas the book yeah, yeah. W- with internal monologue shouldn't have that problem. Mm. That's very weird. Yeah. Because the only <laughs> chapter of hers I really read is I read the Red Wedding chapter just for the crack, and I did not like any of it. Cause, okay. Because the, the Red Wedding in the book, she goes, like, full-on insane, which is fair yeah. enough what she's seeing happening to her family, <laughs> but, like, she's, like, cackling and just laughing and sure, she dies, whereas yeah. the show was much more reserved just crying and that's that's good i like that <laughs> uh like women crying it makes me happy <laughs> no, in their place. <laughs> uh, but yeah no i just i just i just love the seriously it was like lady macbeth but if lady macbeth yeah. got the crown in the end instead of macbeth like that's True. what i've always wanted from that character so that was great and also seeing a giant explosion happen was pretty mm. pretty good yeah so yeah, I am actually looking forward to season seven which i didn't think i would be because season five four oh god five oh, what are we on I'm... now six I that was six, so, yes. yeah. So five put me off everything because it was needless rape, needless mm. death, the burning of a child for no reason, yeah. which got vaguely addressed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, yeah, I'm gonna, hopefully the last season will be good. I still think it's going to sap out in the ending. Probably because I, well, for one thing. Well, as you said, like it's all heroes and villains now. So yeah, yeah it's a bit all heroes and villains. But also, I mean, I think most of the dedicated, obsessed, to put a whatever mm. word for them, they already know how it's going to end. You know, like, you can go and read fan theories and they're probably 100% yeah. true or 100% correct. Which is not, like, a bad thing, but it just mm. kind of means, like, whatever happens, everyone's going to be like, yeah, we knew it. We knew they're coming. We knew it. 
Yeah, I was curious <laughs> who would react to the revelation that that fan theory proved true of John's parentage. Because mm. I felt like, on the one hand, you'd be like, oh, yes, we all knew it was coming. On the other hand, like, oh. Yeah. Like, what's, there's no surprise there now. It's just, mm. mm-hmm. um, Yeah, no, it's, it's a pretty okay show, I suppose. Yeah, that's definitely <laughs> Wavering thumbs up. <laughs> From one slightly meh thing to another. Mm. Uh, you have not heard it, but I think everyone else has. The Ghostbusters tie-in song. As you all know, we here at Film Ireland are cautiously optimistic slash willing <laughs> to give benefit of the doubt to Ghostbusters 2016 until we've seen it. Oh, yes. That said, every step of the way in this marketing campaign and lead-up has been them repeatedly shooting themselves in the foot. The song is dreadful. I, it's, I think if they hadn't bothered trying to recreate the original chorus line, the whole, you know, you're going to call stuff, it wouldn't be as bad. The fact that they did do it and did it worse, strike one. Strike two... Fallout Boy featuring Missy Elliott. If it was just Fallout Boy or just Missy Elliott, like that's a bit dated, but fine. Why those two? Like, what is the connection between those two things? It's just, it's some bizarre, like mid noughties attempt at synergy for I can't tell who it's for. It's like what audience is that combination of? It 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 screams made by committee, mm. and it's just it's a really bad song too. It's not a terrible song. It's kind of the beat's catchy enough once you listen to it about five times, but. The first time I heard it, I had to turn it off once I hit the Missy Elliott rap bridge because it just comes, it, Fallout Boy, you know what they sound like. So just to cut from that to what sounds like a 12 year old girl screaming, go, Busters, and then into <laughs> Missy Elliott rapping, it feels like a bad parody of itself. Mm. But the movie might be okay. The movie yeah, might be okay. Definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm just wondering now that you're saying that, is it sort of a, is it, what's the word, like a make piece? Is it, a, is it a token towards the angry mid 30s fanboys who <laughs> like making them worse oh their childhoods teenage years did they i thought follow boy had a <laughs> <laughs> were you a fan of follow boy sarah no no, no. not really <laughs> no, no me neither I, it was very kind of like what was there a phrase for not quite emo but emo like i know yeah. emos are to goths but so, follow boy are to emos yeah. like it was very sort of superficial level mm. Kind of We're hot angsty. topic, sort of. yeah, um, with, without anything behind it, yeah, yeah, just empty aesthetics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. But Missy Elliott was cool. People liked her. Yeah, still yeah. like her. Why is she? What is happening? <laughs> I don't understand this movie. The third trailer was pretty good, though. I kind of yeah, liked that. So. Exactly. I think it's out in a week. This day week, actually, I think it's out soon. So mm-hmm. it'll soon be over, finally. Yeah. Unless they announce a sequel before it gets released, <laughs> which would be really funny. Uh, so. That's Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Still hoping it'll not be terrible. At this point, I've reserved myself to the fact that it'll probably be at best passable, and at worst, truly, truly terrible. Hmm. I mean, yeah, it can't get worse than terrible. So, got that covered. It can't get worse than terrible. That's. <laughs> I hope. Wow. <laughs> Optimism. Um, we don't need segues, but I feel I feel obliged to make segues. Okay. So, from corporate nonsense some more corporate nonsense you informed me before we started captain america crossed a billion dollars yeah which congratulations. wasn't surprising <laughs> no not at all i swear it took this long really like that's what three months now of release two mm, months yeah. yeah you know that's way it's turn i suppose <laughs> um yeah actually could you guess what other uh five uh superhero movies have uh, made it past ooh, the billion mark dark knight rises mm-hmm. avengers one winter soldier Ooh, actually I don't think Winter Soldier did. I'm not certain it did. Okay, maybe it did, and I'm wrong. <laughs> I have written down... I don't have that one written down, yeah, but I may have taken it... I thought it was Iron Man 3. No, that did too, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
did Dark Knight one? Dark Knight one. Dark Knight. <laughs> um, I think yep. did didn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's that for? So I'm yes. missing one. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Is Thank the last you. one Marvel? Yes, I think you're Guardians. No, you're overthinking it. Go for it. I don't know. Uh, Ultron. Oh, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's uh, kind of the ones you'd guess, I think, except for possibly if you if you guessed mm. Winter Soldier, yeah, I'm probably wrong. I probably took it down <laughs> wrong. Yeah. So well done, Captain. <laughs> done it again. On this Fourth of July, your <laughs> yeah. your day, I guess. That's it. <laughs> he planned it. He planned it that way. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, say that really, just good job capitalism. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, okay, let's be realistic about this. Is that a bad thing that that movie made that much money? Like, I know you weren't totally hot on it, but... Mm. Eh, you know, <laughs> it, I I think it is just sort of, it's just inevitable, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it does feel weird, doesn't it, like that we're in an era now where making a billion dollars is just sort of a... It's nice if you do it, but it's not particularly monumental. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what the budget was? It's probably like... Winter Soldier or Civil War. Um, three, two, or three it couldn't have been that high. Um, I okay. think it would have been around 200 to 250. Okay. Yeah. But then there's also that kind of skewing thing with it where they're like, well, marketing costs are more than that. Mm-hmm. And so it's probably in total closer to half, half a billion, okay. I'd say. So yeah, I mean, it's like we double our money. That's Or maybe mm. tripled, but like... The rule's always yeah. <laughs> three times your budget to break even. So it did that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because I think... Batman v Superman didn't make it there in the end, which is oh. really surprising in terms of before the movie came out, everyone was going, well, of course it's going to make a billion dollars. Mm. It's, it's two of the most like iconic IPs in you know, anything. So, of course, mm. when they went, and then it didn't because everyone absolutely hated it. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah, the ultimate release, the ultimate edition, sorry, came out last week, I think, oh, or the yeah. other day. I've heard it's fine. If you like the movie, you'll like this. If you don't like the movie, you won't be convinced. <laughs> so, good. Yeah. The, the thing I overheard people saying was, it ex- it explains more. It's like, <laughs> yeah. okay, because the movie shouldn't have done that the first time around. Cool. There's just, it's so <laughs> frustrating because the, the couple of scenes I have seen from the Ultimate Edition is like 40 second long scenes that cover massive plot holes that oh. I feel like the film could have dealt with okay. much of three minutes yeah. just to cover a few of those things. But no. Someone joked on a different podcast that um, they should release not an R-rated cut, but a, like a G-rated cut where Batman doesn't get everybody, which would have been nice. <laughs> yes. Because I, I think the Orator cut, I don't remember the shot being in the real movie where uh, he like throws a giant crate at someone, which then okay. knocks that guy against the wall, and then you just see like his head like burst open and bleed. We're like, wow, that's hilarious, but wow. also not not that <laughs> character. Actually, that's kind of newsworthy. Yeah, they did the Justice League set visits last um, two weeks ago, I think, which is unusual because that movie is still shooting and mm-hmm. isn't out until the end of 2017, and it just screams damage control that mm. they're like because i know people like you know devon farachi i don't think so tell me sort of uh, known internet person oh okay you know at the website what's it called birth movies deaths oh yeah, whatever yeah. Called. i think he's like the one of the main guys in that one mm-hmm. um he's one of those figures that most people hate but also a lot of people love because he's you know he has very insightful things about the industry but he's also very opinionated and whatever mm-hmm. but he was famously very vocally against the movie and wrote like tons of like think pieces about why i missed the point of all the characters and why it's terrible blah 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 but he was one of the ones invited to the press visit and his sort of thoughts were very optimistic and kind of oh. like, well, li- clearly they listened to the everyone giving out about it and have made changes and like try to lighten the tone. And it, it's so, I, I, you know what? Okay, I'm excited All again right. for Justice League. So good. Yeah. But yeah, no, this is 
this is a fascinating mess of a mm. production cycle. I think the whole Warner Brothers thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, so it's Warcraft. It's kind of in a similar vein, isn't yeah. it? Indeed. Haven't seen it. You no, haven't seen it either. Seen it Let's either. talk about it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it made some money and got some middling reviews. Yeah. Um, no, good job, Duncan Jones. Yeah, that's it. Like, I haven't seen it because I don't want to give it money, really. But at the same time, agreed. I'm really, I am also quite intrigued. It's less about money for me and more just I feel I'd be really bored. Okay, yeah. I feel I'd be really bored. Quite possible. Um, the thing I, that kind of interests me is I heard people saying that, um, okay. It's mm-hmm. good and bad side to it. Like, it throws you in. It doesn't really explain anything. I kind of admire that because, like, so many movies are just the first three minutes are, is voiceover explaining every facet of mm. the world or just characters explaining their relationships to each other. So I, I do admire that a, a movie, especially like a fancy movie, is just like, look, let them figure it out. <laughs> but at the same time, obviously too much of that and it's going to alienate you. So I don't know. Yeah, that is the weird land. problem with this one. Like, I think we're hitting an interesting era of video game movie adaptations where like Assassin's Creed is coming soon and that one might be okay. But like the main criticism I have heard about Warcraft is that where most films fall down in this genre, is that a genre? I suppose it is. <laughs> yeah. Is that they deviate too much from the source material. Mm-hmm. Look at, you know, the Tomb Raider movies or that recent, the amazing recent Hitman movie, which is just the most balls out acid trip movie I've seen in a long time. Not Hitman, but amazing. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, the, I keep hearing, is just in like so impenetrable. If you haven't, if you don't know the Lovecraft War, okay. that is not how those words no. work. <laughs> but it's it's nearly there, and it sounds kind of good. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, if you don't know that, you will. Yeah, like you said, you'd be totally lost. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of agree with you. I like movies that don't necessarily feel the need to handhold you. Like mm-hmm. I will be the first person to say I didn't like Lord of the Rings much as a kid mm-hmm. i kind of got annoyed at game of thrones early on and tried to read the books same reason because i just i can't stand being tossed a ton of names and locations and dates sure, and yeah. not knowing the context at the same time especially superhero movies i think you get fatigued with the opening like you said the opening prologue yeah. always <laughs> being a sort of a thor of the dark world it was anthony hopkins voiceovering voiceovering a, just a nonsense mm. completely pointless battle sequence um so yeah, I don't know. I just feel like Duncan Jones, I still like you a lot. I still watch anything yeah. else you make. I might leave this one until <laughs> it's on TV or something. But because I, I, everyone said it's just this vacuous nonsense. And then Mark Kermode, of all people, was like, I don't know Warcraft. I don't care about Warcraft. But, you know, it's still very Duncan Jonesy. Like It's all about hey. fathers and sons. And mm-hmm. I suppose if you watched it with the mindset of, you know, Bowie dying, mm. it maybe wouldn't be. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I presume it was in I would have been. before. Yeah. But having said that. Well, even that, he has like quite a famously sort of troubled had, it was troubled sure, relationship with yeah, his father yeah. because obviously it's David Bowie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I don't... It's a film I want to read about but not really watch myself. Yeah, yeah. It's like all those really terrible comedies you see that are just massively racist or sexist. You want to read about them and yeah. like about what they represent <laughs> but you really want to watch them. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, yeah, that, that's Warcraft. We don't have to. Uh, true. Unless we wish to, you know. <laughs> we don't yet live in the... <laughs> The Hollywood-run fascist state yeah. where we must watch movies. Exactly. It wouldn't be all bad. <laughs> uh, speaking of movies that you can watch, uh, the Galway Film Fla is starting soon. Uh, <laughs> this began, I think it starts tomorrow, which will be yesterday or last week when you hear this. Who knows? Time is fluid. <laughs> In any case, for all your Galway needs, go to filmarland.net. Oh God, we dot com or dot net. We're dot net, I think. Yeah, Go, just Google Film Ireland and look on our website <laughs> for needs and things so Galway. <laughs> Reviews <laughs> um, for the day that's in it. 
uh, Independence Day 2 slash Resurgence slash another one is out. And cards on the table. I never liked the first one. I saw it when I was about probably the right age to watch it and like it. I was instantly quite bored. Never got unbored. I think the speech by Bill Pullman is cheesy and terrible. I think Will Smith punching an alien saying, Welcome to Earth, isn't particularly funny. There's some decent battle sequences. It's from that era of Ronald Emmerich. Ronald. <laughs> Roland. Before he changed his name. <laughs> yeah, not sexy enough. <laughs> Ronald Emmerich, where that era is kind of okay. Like, I like Stargate. I prefer the TV show, but I like Stargate the movie too. Oh. Um, I didn't realise he was involved. He made that, yeah. Okay. Stargate's his. Him and Dean Devlin, yeah. Uh, like I, th- I can understand why people rally around the first Independence Day. Like it was very important for its era. Like mm. it did bring in this new idea of what summer blockbusters could be. It was very kind of pioneering special effects and stuff. There's a lot of kind of quite iconic imagery in it. It's just, it's like I want to say it's four hours long. It's probably <laughs> two, but there's a million characters. Mm. There's so many subplots. Mm-hmm. They're all irritating. Yeah. But if you love the first one. You'll probably like the second one ish. I hate the first one. I hate the second one a lot more. It's the first hour is just solid exposition. Every single conversation is just expository and it's incredibly irritating. So, anyway, Will Smith's character is canonically dead because mm-hmm. he wouldn't come back for this one because they didn't offer him enough money. Okay. I think he was smart enough to do so, but that does mean that even though Will Smith's son is in this film, we're still left with Liam Hemsworth for some reason mm-hmm. in that role. And he's trying very hard, he's being very sassy, and what not. He's insufferable. I couldn't stand him. Um, and also, I love when movies recently try doing this, specifically with the same thing, where it feigns internationalism, despite uh, okay. being very American-centric, to the point... Did, like, do you see Pacific Rim? I didn't, know. Okay. It's all like, here's Idris Elba, he's British, and then there's Mako was her name, I think? She was cool, uh-huh. um, and she was like... American man's I can't remember the character's name. He just sp- I know it was Charlie Hunnam, who's English, but he was American okay. in this and just had the most generic G.I. Joe kind of accent possible. Okay. So he was teamed up with her and it's all like, oh, look, there's the Russian robot and there's the American robot, which all runs on gasoline, obviously. The rest of them are all <laughs> like fusion powered. Uh, but then by the end, it's still the Charlie Hunnam on his own because mm. even his non-American co-pilot gets knocked out during the final battle on his own, like, doing the suicide run to save the world. So it's it's very American-centric feigning towards internationalism. Mm-hmm. This is the same thing, where it's Liam Hemsworth, a Chinese pilot, an English pilot, I think, a, a few women thrown in there for mm, diversity's sake, good. probably a black person or two. <laughs> oh, Will Smithson was there, yeah. But again, they're all just knocked out by the end uh-huh. so that Liam Hemsworth can shoot the giant alien queen. Oh, okay, of course. And it's just... Uh... Yeah, just... I'm just out of... Just wondering now, mm. like, what age is, is Will Smith's son? Could he not have played that character? He could have. I mean, they made the right call because he, he is a charisma vacuum. And oh, I don't okay. love <laughs> Liam Hemsworth or anything, but at least he tries. Okay. Uh, but yes, you're entirely right. He could have played that mm. character. But I guess Liam Hemsworth is a bankable star mm. at this point. Yeah. God help us all. Um, yeah, no, I didn't didn't much care for it. I was very bored for most of it. Like even the disaster stuff feels very phoned in. Mm. Like when the actual ha- thing happens, where the, the ship, because of fake gravity, pulls I think it's Beijing up and then yeah. drops Beijing on London. Mm. That looks kind of cool visually for five minutes. Ooh. Yeah, but that's that's it. And again, okay. the big final boss fight chase scene with the alien queen, where she has like basically has a health bar on screen. That's kind of <laughs> amusing from a sort of video gamification of films mm. aspect, but. 
Nah, I hated it. It's real, it's real shit. Okay. Bill Pullman's terrible in it. Oh. He sounds like he's mid-stroke for the entire film. And then he kind of gives a speech again near the end, because he has to, I suppose, in his contract. And then just dies very... Sorry, spoilers. Dies very suddenly <laughs> uh, in a heroic self-sacrifice that isn't even really focused on much. Okay. Yeah, no, I didn't like yeah. it. Oh, Jeff Goldblum's in it, I suppose. That's oh, worth yeah. mentioning. He's and then fine. Uh, the president is female this time? Yes, actually, thank you for mentioning that. <laughs> Much like the whole, let's pretend we're international, let's pretend oh, yeah. we're, you know, progressive, having a female president, she has like, mm, let's charitably say 20 lines of dialogue, wow. and then dies off screen. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that Bill Pullman can show up with his big, manky hobo beard, give a speech, and then die heroically. Okay. On screen. Well, kind of. Does, I mean, was, does he take over as president again? No. Or, no? Okay. I mean, kind of, I suppose. He's yeah, sort I mean, of... Not, like, unofficially. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go with that, go with that. The one thing I will say, subplot-wise, that is the most annoying thing, Jeff Goldblum's, I think at this point we can call racist caricature father, is in the movie, persisting in the movie, ends up driving a school bus of children cross-country through most of the third act mm. for no reason other than that they can have a, a scene where Jeff Goldblum sees him driving the bus tour and goes, Dad? And that is the payoff for an okay. hour of insufferable Jewishness. Wow. He's just such a caricature. It is, it is mind-boggling that this movie... This, this movie feels like it should have been made right after the first one. Like okay. it, it feels like a late 90s movie that for some reason we're stuck with now. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some interesting stuff in the mythology that they tried to build, bring in, like a third alien race, a second alien race, that's sort of the good alien race, that all the technology that'll be in the third movie which they're mm-hmm. going to make. Kind of, okay. Well, oh, you didn't hear this? <laughs> no, when they announced this one, they announced a trilogy. Okay. So yeah. look yeah, forward trilogy. to four more years, at least, <laughs> of this bullshit. Um, yeah, no, not a lot to say there. It's it's not good. Actually, even the actress playing Lady President, very bad. Okay. Not good. Did you see Iron Sky, actually? No. She isn't the Iron Sky. No. This feels like Iron Sky, but without the self-awareness. Okay. And, you know, the space Nazis, which are always fun. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the old characters were annoying. New characters were annoying. It goes on for too long. It was boring. Don't see it. Mm. You already have. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> this has been a very positive episode, I feel, oh, yeah. so far. Very life-affirming That's and right. full of full of good times and good vibes. X-Men, I suppose, we'll do next Alrighty. since you saw that. And I think it's still in cinemas yes. somehow. It's Probably. been out for a while. It will be in cinemas till the end of time, I assume. As, as well. Really? Well, just, you know, that that's kind of what happens with superhero movies I, I thought that too but Civil War left pretty quickly despite making okay. all of the money apparently alright it, well, it had made all the money it had done that is it. true it knew its place and yeah. left um, <laughs> so uh, see I think X-Men talking to you especially about this is kind of weird because when I first knew you I remember being surprised oh Sarah's like into comics and stuff and that, that's surprising because you seemed all like literary and into like you know <laughs> yes. real reading books mm. and plays and things like that and I was like oh comics too far but I know X-Men's kind of like one of the few you kind of liked for a while yeah. and then subsequently went very much off <laughs> yeah which I feel is probably true of most people's view of the films too mm, possibly yeah I mean I've read that you know they're my favourite comics like they were pretty much the superhero comics that I read mm-hmm. when I was growing up you know like I, I read Marvel in general but they were the ones I focused on so I I love X-Men <laughs> I really really love it Good, um, good. I know some people want to like go to Hogwarts. I want to go to Xavier's <laughs> school and just like be an X Men. That'd be so cool. And I loved the the first two Brian Singer's movies. Uh, like I still think they're probably in my top twenty movies. 
second. Really? I love them. They're so well made. How recently you watched them? I mean, I'd say I've probably watched them every couple of years. Okay, well, yeah. all right. Because um, I, I don't like hate them, but I think they haven't aged brilliantly. The second one, I think, is still pretty solid. Like, that's mm. a, just a good, well-made movie. The first one, a little cheesy in places. Possibly, yeah. Um, not I, as cheesy as this one, but we'll get that mm-hmm. in a second. Go on. Um, I, I just, I love that they're they're so human. And I really, really like that um, it manages to get across how much the characters care for each other without mm. loads of exposition. Okay. You know, like, as in, like, in the first movie... Wolverine shows that he cares for Rogue by like you know giving him giving her his power as if I got like that's mm-hmm. a, like, like for me that's like a really really good way of getting things across in cinema um, <laughs> visually through storytelling yeah, what is this pretty much I think they're both great movies then The Last Stand came along and it broke my heart to be honest <laughs> um, and like since then I've it's been what ten years, so I'm okay. <laughs> just about. You got over it. But um, like, I just I can't be invested in them anymore. They're like the movies since then. They're just they're they're silly and they're pretty stupid. They're fine, but they're, I just I don't think any of them are good at all. <laughs> not even first class. No, not oh. really. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the closest to being good, but I don't think it's any good. <laughs> all right, I'll take that. That's, that's, that's fair. Um, so yeah, on the overall ranking then, where does Apocalypse come? Um, Quite near the bottom, I'd imagine. Yeah, I mean, um, I think Days of Future Past is probably makes that sense. <laughs> so that would, yeah, probably second from the bottom, maybe. Oh, well, hang on, that's worse than Wolverine to you? Or X-Men Army Wolverine? Oh no, or? sorry, I don't even consider them like movies. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Do we I count was... Deadpool amongst these movies? I suppose you don't have to. I don't know. Um, Did you see Deadpool? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh, you haven't? Okay, that's pretty good. Actually, yeah. that does my favorite version, I think, of just like the X Men generally because they're, they're not mm-hmm. in it much, but like Colossus and oh, what's her name? Negasonic Teenage Warhead. Um, mm. The story they do them is really well done. Like okay. they're quite fun, and they have, for the, for once they have the actual like correct on screen uniforms. Okay, but um, <laughs> yeah, uh, okay, Apocalypse. I I loved it, but I think it's absolute <laughs> shite. Uh-huh. I saw it twice because I had to see it a second time with people that I knew would laugh along with it with me. Yes. Okay, I'm going to make an argument about this that I, I don't know that most people would agree with, but I feel like it justifies it in my own head. I think X-Men ideally should be at where Civil War is with Marvel movies. Like, mm-hmm. I want to see House of M. I want to see the big event X-Men stuff done, because that's really in- interesting. Like the, like you're saying, yeah, they're, in comic-wise at least, they are very human. Like, I mm-hmm. remember thinking when I first read the comics, oh, Emma Frost is actually really cool. Emma Frost is... Oh, God, cool. <laughs> Emma Frost is like, an interesting character, whereas January Jones' version was insufferable and uh-huh. boring. yeah. And I would love to see something like House of M, where you see like Wanda going insane mm. and just you know trying to fix the world through her own like force of will. Like that's all really cool. So they'll never be able to do that though, because no. that would require basically what Marvel did: like ten years of planning, setting the characters up first of all, and then building towards a point where they're known enough to the public that you can make these big sort of character-driven pieces that happen to also be blockbusters. They can never do that though, because they spent ten years doing kind of basically the same movie and over again, mm. and the characters are all kind of caricatures now mm-hmm. so shall i have like a complete reboot this is what we're stuck with i'm okay with that because i feel like x-men can either be really good drama or hokey as all hell like <laughs> camp nonsense which is what this was like it's basically it's a big blue man screaming charles repeatedly <laughs> while people in dumb costumes do dumb things making dumb one-liners i think oscar isaacs is wasted in this like oh, yeah. completely wasted and yet mm. I couldn't picture anyone else doing it. He tries so much harder than he needed to. 
That makeup is awful. It looks terrible in every close-up he's in. You can see it on his face. Mm. I think it looks weirdly cheap. Uh, like that opening, I loved because it looked like an old like fifties serial where it was mm-hmm. just what came before doesn't matter, what comes next doesn't matter. This is an entirely new story. Retcon, by the way, this dude lived in Egypt for two thousand years. Deal with that now. It was great. I loved it so much. Wow. <laughs> Sarah, rebuttal. <laughs> um, yeah, no, like in a way, I can't exactly argue. Because I don't think you're saying that they're necessarily good movies. No. <laughs> you know? Okay, First so. Class is. I love okay, First Class. I know you hate First Class. I think First Class is genuinely a great film and the best of all these movies. Okay. Well, We don't agree on that point. I know that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like, uh, the the one reason I can't hate these films as I would like to is because <laughs> yeah. I am, I just, I laughed, like, all the way through. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> no, like, it is so ridiculous. It makes so little sense. You are kind of wondering, is anyone there taking it seriously? Because it doesn't seem like it. I, that's the thing. I don't think anyone on set was, apart from Brian Singer. You get the impression <laughs> that he thinks he's actually still making oh, this sort of God, uh, yeah. this sort of civil rights movie or something. Yeah. And it's, no. Oh, yeah, that was a long time ago. Like, I think even like the real example of how much he's failed dramatically, I, I think, is Magneto. Because mm. they for reasons unbeknownst to anybody, decided to give him another family that he yes. could live happily ever after with in Poland, which like, you can basically see the countdown timer mm-hmm. on screen of like, tragedy striking in five, four. Yeah. Even the fact that it's the opening from Commando, inadvertently, <laughs> where it's his daughter playing with a deer. It's like, oh, look how idyllic everything is. And like everything's going to go wrong in seconds. Yeah, yeah. And credit where credit is due, that was the most economical tragedy <laughs> I've ever seen. True, they got through true. so much trauma in like seconds. Like it was literally two birds at one stone and that was very dumb mm-hmm. like a wooden arrow would not do that but dumb funny though <laughs> yes. and, like michael fassbender trying to like be serious about this and, like it's just i think i oh, whatever it says like it's like this is bizarre like, like oscar caliber actors screaming like this faux shakespearean mm. bullshit at the sky while people in spandex run around waving their arm it's great yeah it's so good <laughs> and yeah. hugh jackman's cameo hilarious <laughs> dreadful i actually will say this one i've heard people complain about this one being too kind of bloody and cruel and stuff okay which i agree with it is quite gory for whatever mm. it is like a 12a but i feel like these are like walking weapons of mass destruction they mm. should be dangerous i yeah. like that the wolverine sequence even more so than like the orated wolverine sequences in the wolverine movies was really bloody like when he was walking through that corridor killing people there was like arterial spray and like at that mm. post credits bit when it's just them cleaning up all the blood like that's yeah, Wolverine is that dangerous. That's how it should look. Mm-hmm. But then you get to his final moment where he just runs off into the woods and the camera just holds in like a static shot and it's mm-hmm. real funny. There's no score. There's no sound effects. <laughs> it's just Hugh Jackman like tottering yeah. off into the woods. Oh, <laughs> that wasn't it. intended to be in the movie, by the way. That... <laughs> they just caught him one day. <laughs> in his pants, <laughs> fleeing the set. But uh, yeah, actually, I mean, some of what you're saying is probably one of my issues with the movie is that like it is rehashing every plot line that we have seen is this the third movie now where we've got the the opening scene of Auschwitz with uh, the young yes. Eric Clenshaw mm-hmm. being taken away from his family it's like it was it's a, it's a brilliant scene it's like you can't just use it <laughs> again and again like you have to come up with new stuff that's like part of you know making films is not stealing from other films I actually the other thing is weird though because I was waiting for the backlash on this. I'm not sure if it came in the end, mm-hmm. 
But the visual of one, I think, Psylocke standing out of its oh, yes. dress, like the sort of future cyber hooker she's mm-hmm. dressed like. I know that's her costume, and <laughs> I, I'm glad they put they're doing yeah. more cost, like uh, comic book accurate costumes. Mm-hmm. But some of them you can't do. Yeah, I no, feel like they're it's, not. Uh... They're not for human people to wear. They're for no. characters. <laughs> exactly. like, that's like that's why you know. Oh, um, such oh, a good statement of very true. <laughs> but I mean, that's why. Um, what's his name? Henry Cavill is like. No human is supposed to have shoulders that big. Yeah. Don't try. <laughs> Sorry. But anyway, back to X-Men. <laughs> no, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I, that's why I feel like when, you know, Dark Knight Rises was coming out and everyone's like, oh God, Chris Nolan's doing Catwoman. Yeah. Like he's the most sexist director in Hollywood. <laughs> One, how is he the character? Two, what costume will she have? Mm. And they kind of found a middle ground, I suppose. It's kind of like a biker costume. But mm. I've always thought X-Men should have been more colourful. And I'm glad, like I'm looking forward to the next one aesthetically because mm. that final shot of them all in actual accurate costume like, that's kind of exciting i'm looking forward to seeing like that all in motion but you get stuff like psylocke standing in auschwitz beside poor oscar isaacs looking like this giant blue ice cream mm. talking about you know your people were taken really like, it's auschwitz you can't do it and then then they destroy auschwitz yeah, I and i'm like god you can't do that can they do that <laughs> That, like, That'd be akin to, you know, yeah. 50 years from now, a movie where someone's backstory was 9-11, just, like, <laughs> obliterating Ground Zero yeah. in a fit of rage. Like, you, can you do that? Mm, I don't know that yeah, you can. No. And, but there was no real backlash as far as I could see from, like, the German government mm, or anything. But Yeah. God. Um, it was a weird movie. Yeah. Also, do you find it bemusing that because Jennifer Lawrence is the biggest star on Earth at the moment, the last two X-Men films have contrived a way to make mystique the most important character yeah yeah when she's not that is definitely like the other that's one of the other things actually that annoys me is like they love jennifer lawrence Mm -hmm. and um magneto yeah fastbender um, fastbender they love them so much that they just want them to hang around with the x-men for 90 (laughs) percent of the movies and then in the last 10 minutes they have like a little temper tantrum and it's like oh well now we will be your enemies in the next movie hey, next movie, hey, can we hang around with you for 90% of the movie? <laughs> but this one is even weirder than that, though, because at the end of it, uh, Magneto, they're all those pals, despite the fact that yeah. he did, he definitely killed at least a thousand people yeah. when he was pulling up all the metal on Earth. <laughs> like, you saw, like, the Sydney Opera House and stuff was collapsing. People died. Yeah, yeah. And then it's just, oh, Charles, good luck at the school. See you around, <laughs> buddy, you mass murdering yeah. lunatic. No, it's so strange. Obviously, do they care about continuously no no obviously not not anymore but the original mystique rebecca romian i thought her character was great she didn't really say very much she was just quite kind of foreboding and yeah. like really good presence on screen yeah yeah exactly like obviously you don't have to stick to that i guess mm. but as in that that was a great character and for them to go back and act as though like she was this really emotional teenager who like ne- never knew what to do and Oh, like it just—it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense how she would go from that to that. See, I yeah. thought I thought it was fine in first class because the end of her arc in that movie is the whole mutant and proud thing. So she is meant to be okay with herself. I assume they would go towards the X Men movies then. But what they did instead was just make her Katniss Everdeen, where she's just giving yeah. speeches and like she's this reluctant yeah. hero of the people. And like this is just the Hunger Games. Like yeah. why are you doing it's this? It's... Although, did you not think it was weird in first class that um, Charles Xavier's just like, oh, go to them? It's like why? yeah very told me to it makes no sense that he would tell her to join his enemies have you seen the um how it should have ended oh yeah yeah, it's like uh, i can't remember the line even is now just 
yeah, like, go to them. Why? I'm only the person that, you know, raised you and clothed you <laughs> yeah. and was your friend for years. No, no, go with them. It's fine. But yeah, no, that was very dumb. That was yeah. incredibly dumb. You know, th- these movies, they have a, a template and it doesn't really matter what the characters do during the film because it's going to end up the same. Yep. Um, <laughs> let's talk about things we liked, I suppose. Right. Um, I thought Nightcrawler was really good. Yes, that Love was actually what I was going to say. Yeah. Because I didn't realize it was uh, Cody Smith. Yeah, no, I, when I heard that <laughs> casting, I was like, can't wait for that. Because I love him and everything he's in. Um, yeah. And he was really good. Like, I love Alan Cummings' version too. Mm-hmm. I prefer this version. I thought he was really okay. just likable. Mm-hmm. And because especially, like, the accent can be really grating, I thought. Mm-hmm. It wasn't in the end. I thought before I'd seen it, like, that could go either way. Mm. Much kind of like I saw it, like Yeltsin with Chekhov, I guess, in many ways. But if the actor is kind of good enough and. Because a lot of those lines are real dopey as well, where he's just kind of a slapstick character yeah. almost. But it, he sold it. Like, Cody Smith McVie is really good. And give him a spin-off movie or just put him in a TV show, whatever. Mm. Just, uh, he's, he's better than this. Yeah. <laughs> I actually quite liked Sansa. What's her name? Okay. God. Sophie Turner. Sophie Turner, thank you. As Jean Grey. She, like, she wasn't amazing, but she was okay. fun. And seeing her go full Phoenix Force yeah. at the end was all right. Again, that's another one of those points. Of, this is another thing I thought about the movie. Is this too comic booky for its own good? I feel like comic book movies, especially Marvel, have moved away from being comic book movies and are now mm. just other genres with the aesthetic over it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. Civil War, sorry, Winter sure. Soldier is like a spy movie. Civil War is just kind of more kind of Jason Bourne-esque sort of global political thing yeah. with like the veneer of superhero, superheroism. Whereas this movie felt like full on kind of if the 90s yeah. had continued superhero yeah. movies where it's all just color and nonsense and jokes and... Mm. Which I didn't mind. Like, it's nice for a break after, like, you know, the likes of Batman Superman. But it is sort of vacuous and too... I don't know. It's a bit shit in some ways. But I thought um, the fact that they didn't explain the Phoenix Force and Mm. if you, you know, knew about it and then you suddenly saw her walking on air and going off fire, like, you got it. (laughs) But if you didn't get it or you didn't know about that, like, would that be incredibly confusing and just dumb? I suppose it would. And, I mean, things like the... um, One of the biggest set pieces, again... Quicksilver's whole thing. Yeah. It's not good. Like, no? honestly. Okay. <laughs> well, it, 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 but I mean, like, it is just so ridiculously cartoony. Yeah. And it just kind of doesn't really make any sense, you know? I loved it because I think, again, Evan Peters, they've got a good cast for these movies. I'll say that much. Evan Peters sells it pretty well. He's he's surprisingly likable for a character who you should want to punch in the face at all times. Hmm. And actually, even though it is just a rehash of this work in the last one, do it again, but bigger. <laughs> yes. I still enjoyed it a lot, but I think the mistake is that it's so tone deaf because it comes right after what is argued to be the actual, the one dramatic scene in the movie where someone dies mm-hmm. and he fails to save them. Then he just it cuts immediately to the sweet dreams made of these mm. and him, you know, saving goldfish and dogs. And it's like, it's fun, but it's, it's so tone deaf mm-hmm. and so, uh, I don't know. The point is, I think I'd watch it again, probably mm-hmm. more so than most X-Men movies, but it is pretty bad. <laughs> Yeah. And the post credit scene was the first post credit scene since I think Amazing Spider-Man where I was like, I have no idea what that means. Okay. I know what it is now because someone explained it walking out, but uh, did you did you get it? I actually don't. I, you were saying was it... Did you even I, stay for it? Was it the cleaning up the blood one? What was yeah, it? but then at the end it's like someone collecting like the Weapon X vial and putting it into a oh, suitcase sorry, of other vials. Yeah, yeah. And then what's... Uh, I know it's Mr. Sinister, who so the character is in the end, but I forgot what the suitcase said. Mm-hmm. Whatever his real name is. Yeah. Don't care. See, on the whole, not not a good movie. I would recommend it over Independence Day, but that's not saying much. (laughs) 
I suppose, Sarah, in terms of things you didn't mm-hmm. care much about, All right. what else yes. have you seen of late? Um, yes, so I saw The Secret Life of Pets. Mm-hmm. Lucy K plays Max, who's the, 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 the dog who's the main character. He has a great life in uh, New York City. And then when his owner gets a second dog, played by Eric Stone Street, I think that's his name, from uh, Modern Family, mm-hmm. the two of them sort of get into a tussle they end up losing their way in new york and run into uh, a group of sort of rebellious animals who have forsaken their owners and they want to take over new york uh, kevin hart is sort of oh main... no sorry i think it's someone else kevin hart. That's oh, fine. okay yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> he's he's the rabbit the cute but also insane you know that kind of typical animal and yeah it's about their adventures through new york so it's not very exciting or fun. <laughs> what is really good is the animation is great. Everything has a very good weight to it. And even just like shadows and textures, they're all they're all there. They're all really good. The other sort of really good part is New York itself. Is mm. It's really like nicely idealized. The animals obviously really, really love living there and it all looks very beautiful. And uh, yeah, so the, that's sort of the, the, the draw for that movie would be... Um, the animation but other than that i wouldn't particularly recommend See, that's weird like with that cast especially louis ck and stuff mm. you think it'd be one of the movies that it's sort of you know written for kids but written for adults and would yeah. have the, the lego movie kind of vibe to it but that sounds really bland yeah it's funny like um there really isn't much for, for adults at all there's there's one sequence where actually where i did laugh which is a turtle has kind of been flipped upside down mm. and he's like bouncing from wall to wall so that's obviously sort of like a super mario type thing okay yeah. which is kind of funny right. um th- that was yeah probably one of the best bits like the the only other sort of adult directed joke was um someone was saying oh no the the animals are kind of like drifting across the hudson river and they go oh no they're going towards uh brooklyn and uh someone says something about like oh i heard that the, that house prices are really high there or something and then someone else is like i'm not talking about hipster real estate it's like Okay, <laughs> like obviously a child doesn't even know what that means. No, that's, Adults uh, right. that's, aren't really that's very amusing, interested. I so. <laughs> good, good job movie. Yeah, um, that's about it. So, so, so worst you movie you've seen this month? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Twelve seems a bit high even. Oh yeah, maybe. I mean, also see it if you really like animals, probably. Pet, you know, if you have a pet and you really want to watch a movie with your pet. Might be good. <laughs> you poor, sad individual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh so uh, next up, uh, quickly, Money Monster, which uh, I, I didn't really know was coming out or hadn't really heard of. And then I was like, oh, Jodie Foster made a movie. I didn't know she made movies, but she's mm. done twice before, apparently. Middleman Tate and something else. Okay. No, I didn't realize she was. Yeah, I didn't. This is their third movie she directed. Yeah, that's, I didn't know that <laughs> this came out. <laughs> uh, How do you describe the plot of this one? It's sort of a network style thing, but not network and more like... Uh, Is it sort of also a bit like The Big Short? Yeah. Basically, George Clooney plays a person (laughs) who hosts a finance show and it's just him being a bit of an asshole on screen Mm -hmm. for 10 minutes and then Jack O'Connell bursts in with an explosive vest and once his it's all it's it's meant to be quite uh, you know satirical and mm. important and it has it has things to say damn it this it is does, a, yeah. if you heard any, the interviews of Jodie Foster from Cannes 
it's sort of amusing how like, I love Jodie Foster, I really do, but she's in a bit of a bubble, I think. Oh, and okay. it, like on the one hand, what she was saying, I agree with. Like, it's not often that you get like a female director. It's not often mm-hmm. that you get a female director that will be able to like. Like, it wasn't a huge budget movie, but it's a fairly mainstream, like, wide release thing with, like, George Clooney and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's also, it's, it's a good thriller, but it's also, you know, about things and about the mm. modern world and our current era and finance and computers. And, like, it is all those things, but it's also kind of fluff. Mm. And, I, like, I, I, I suppose we finish the plot as well quickly. Yeah, George Clooney <laughs> hosts the guy, a thing, and Jack Connell comes in, and then it, it's all about... Uh, corporate corruption and the way there's no physical money anymore and the banks be stealing your money yeah. and then it's all about the uh, New York rising up and the one per- it's kind of the 1% I suppose and the 99% mm. and that sort of thing and then it gets a bit overly dramatic and a bit cartoony and it's yes. sort of a comedy but also a drama mm-hmm. and I, I don't know it, was, it wasn't bad <laughs> I didn't I enjoyed it while I was yeah. watching it it's goofy mm-hmm. but yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I quite enjoyed it. It was funny because I've been talking to my, I went to see it with my mum, and earlier in the day, she'd actually been saying, it's funny how no one is ever held to account for predictions. The one person who gets a prediction right is remembered and like, oh, that guy predicted that who's going to win the Euros or mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But it's like, but everyone who didn't just ignored. So it was kind of interesting that we were literally talking about that on the way to the movie and then that's what the movie was about every day there's thousands of predictions made by people regarding trade and big business mm. and it's usually the little guy that gets screwed over if one company tanks suddenly well like that's probably his livelihood gone or you know um, I did I did quite like that it was looking at the fact that big business is really big and insane and <laughs> why is there so little accountability i quite like that it did i like that. that it tried yeah. yeah um i still feel like when you get to the end of it though i suppose spoilers mm. if anyone anyone cares about this it it's a bit cheesy yeah i couldn't help is. but think it felt sort of like a 1960s batman thing where sure. like they, they, get, they get marched down to city hall and then the big bad man has to admit that he lied live on television mm-hmm. and then nothing happens like definitely yeah, yeah. It, it, it it felt i think a bit sort of it didn't I was certainly on here to describe this. It it didn't feel coherent, I guess, in mm. that it was trying to have like it had these moments of being quite serious and quite like you're saying, like about accountability and stuff. And Jack O'Connell, despite just being Tom Hardy, was very good at mm-hmm. portraying that kind of rage and the sort of the the helplessness you feel like you feel if you're on like on the lower economic scale of things. And yes, you got goddamn what's his name from the wire Dominic West. Dominic West thank you <laughs> just like chewing scenery and basically <laughs> cackling and oh completely yeah, uh, yeah. then the whole bit when they're walking through New York and like I actually admire the situation they contrived mm-hmm. where it's it's Clooney hiding behind the guy with the bomb mm-hmm. vest because yeah. they're gonna shoot Clooney to, uh, that was kind of clever and sort of <laughs> amusing but really dumb yeah and it's like just, it doesn't make any sense no <laughs> Uh, I will say I thought Julia Roberts was oddly likable. I usually okay. despise her, and she was surprisingly kind of sympathetic in this movie and quite good and you know mm-hmm. amusing and stuff. But yeah, like it's it's directed fine. Yeah, good job, Jodie. I guess yeah. no, absolutely. Like I wasn't bored. It, it's tense and <laughs> what it needs it, to be. Yeah. It, it's it's. I thought actually funny for considering yeah. you know if if in that interview she was talking about being a female director or whatever. Yeah. One thing that I really that really disappointed <laughs> me was yes. Um, Dominic West is sort of as the boss of this company he's t- taken down from the inside by one of his PAs mm. 
who is sleeping with him. But, but, but like, there was no reason that she had to be at all. Like, she yeah. could just have been a really hard worker who got high up in her field. And That's not believable, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not. Like, it's just, it was such a strange thing. Were they kind of like, did Dominic West demand that he, like, <laughs> have a makeout scene in this movie? Why would it be so unbelievable for a female to be high up in a company and to decide she, she should do the right thing and expose her boss as the fraudiest? Yeah. I guess it, it is hard for movies. I actually always applaud a movie when it does intentionally have a lot of romance in it. And mm-hmm. I think it was it's hard to not do that sometimes. And this one especially, it didn't have one in terms of Julia Roberts and Clooney, but it felt mm. like it basically did. Like, the yeah, whole way through, gonna... it's a will they, won't they? And yeah. the, the end is meant to be them being like, all right, boss, all right, person that I'm <laughs> a co-worker with, let's be friendly, Chinese food. Sure. But it did feel very much like that's basically your romantic ending. They just didn't say it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, you don't need that. And I, I kind of, I'm annoyed that it's there even. Mm. But yeah, I hadn't even thought about what you said until you said it now. But yeah, that's equally shit. Yeah, it's a shame. <laughs> well, I mean, you can't fix the patriarchy in a day. So <laughs> thumbs up, Jodie Foster. Well done. You've done it. <laughs> that was the weirdest thing to end a film review on. Um, yeah, so I guess next up we will talk about... Actually, yeah, you've seen, uh, for me, yeah, from one female-directed movie to a oh, yes. possibly not female-directed movie. Was it um, female-directed? It was, yes. Did they direct it themselves? Uh, no. no. Um, it was, um, I think her name's Mandy Fletcher, is the okay. director. And yeah. uh, Jennifer. Ad-fab. Yes. Uh, and uh, it's written by Jennifer Saunders. So. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, really good movie. Uh, that surprises me, because, I mean, a lot of these TV, uh, especially like 20 years after the fact in the movies, yeah. tend to be terrible, because they always have the same formula of, let's take the TV show and then bring it abroad. Yeah. That's kind of what they do. <laughs> no, that's exactly what they do. I know that from the trailer, okay. but I was like, oh, will this be good? Because I've never seen the show, so yeah. I don't. everyone says the show is great, and I keep hearing surprisingly good things about the movie, but the trailer mm-hmm. really did not tell me. To be fair enough, I really enjoyed it, but I can totally understand people if they mm. didn't. Or not even, like, it's really, really funny. There's just a lot of funny stuff in there. But yeah, I mean, the story is nothing, really. Well, that's not important for comedy, um, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no, but like for, for for my money, it's 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 great fun. One of the great things about it is seeing all these comedic actresses, and mm. a lot of people are playing themselves, like Kate Moss, Lulu. Um, Lulu, <laughs> she's so cute. It's, it's actually great. And Gwendolyn Christie. Is, oh, cool. Uh, okay. Yeah. Like there's loads of people in it, and it's it's quite it's just even like to see them be like, oh, they're all in a movie together. This is so exciting. It's it's, it's great because you don't really see. Especially like older. That's very true. That is very true. Older. Unless they're Helen Mirren or Judy Dench. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everyone is just obviously having a great time. And um, I think in particular, Joanna Lumley is just amazing as uh, Patsy. And mm. um, there's so many things, but there's one line just that, or one thing that stuck with me is the, the two main characters, Adina and Patsy, they've had their credit cards cut, um, cut off. And she's trying to say, do we have, can we use cash? And she's like, oh, can we, do we have any of that, that hand money? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's amazing to see, like, her character uh, is just so cut off, you know, in, in such an amazing bubble. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she's such a horrible, horrible character. And also, wonderfully enough, and I, I, suspe- I suspect this is um, just a happy coincidence, at one stage she... Um, she dresses up as a man to marry this uh, dowager, and uh, she looks surprisingly like David Bowie. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually really quite nice. <laughs> so it's a nice way to 
that's near the end of the movie. So okay. It's yeah. a nice, uh, nice surprise near the end. Right, yeah. right. I suppose my only real question would be, how do you think it would play to a non aficionado of that mm-hmm. like do you think it relies a lot on that chemistry kind of being known to you or would it work because that line that you said there was quite funny so i would laugh mm. at that do you think the comedy works on its own or does it require a certain knowledge or familiarity with that kind of chemistry and those characters i think there's probably enough there that you could enjoy it without it i've watched that fab but i i'm not sort of a an aficionado mm-hmm. either Um <laughs> maybe having a vague idea might help but yeah, no, I mean, I think there's, there's enough just standalone lines that you could just enjoy it. All right. I might go see it. Yeah. Cause I hadn't planned seeing it because the trailer really put me off it. But okay. it has been getting a lot more positive feedback than I thought it would. Okay. I, just, I just always never trust these TV movies to work. Mm-hmm. Like, my dad's army came out there a few months ago and I was like, okay. died of death. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, well, from one quite positive female comedy to a not so positive mm-hmm. one. I, for some reason, paid money to see The Boss. <laughs> and... I feel like they couldn't release this at the worst time. It's a Melissa McCarthy-fronted comedy movie, and it's terrible. I think everyone knows it's terrible, and they've got Ghostbusters in a month, and it's just, it's all bad. Any movie that ends its grand finale with... Oh, God, I just said her name. Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> yeah, I was a Jodie Foster again. Melissa McCarthy having a sword fight with Peter Dinklage on top of a skyscraper. Should Ooh. yes, that's the face you should make. It should be better than this, but even that scene is no good. It, it's okay. Rough plot. Melissa McCarthy plays. I don't even know what it's meant to be. It's like it's one of those like exist jobs that doesn't really exist. Okay. She's like a self help guru, guru, but one that like sells out giant concert halls and just screams and dances and tells them how to make money and then I don't know makes money somehow for herself. And then Dinklage is her former lover slash nemesis who. Okay. Yeah, I know. It's it's one of the things where it's meant to be funny on the basis of that's Peter Dinklage. Like it's not it's not inherently funny itself. No. It's because of who it is, you're meant to laugh. But yeah. it's not really funny though. But <laughs> you're laughing anyway. Um, oh god. <laughs> so anyway, so she loses her money because he gets her put in jail for tax fraud or some shit. Okay. And she gets out and goes back to being friends with Kirsten Bell. I want to say who was her PA and just uh, you know single mom about town and who uh, mm. makes a really nice brownie and then they decide to she basically she kind of corporatizes and to an extent radicalizes a Girl Scout troop uh, to like make shit tons of money off these brownies. It's it's dumb but it's kind of funnier <laughs> on paper than it is in practice. And then she gets back to the top and then Dinklage is like oh I must destroy your other business and then they have a sword fight and it's over. Okay. It's real bad. It's mm. it's not funny. I laughed. I definitely laughed a few times. There's a couple of moments. Melissa McCarthy, I think, does her presence alone can save a lot. I mm. think her strength as a comedic actress, a comedian indeed, if you will, <laughs> is strong enough that she can sell even some pretty mediocre material. But it's just so flat and lifeless. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's not even necessary that that the script is bad. The script isn't great, but it's not terrible, but the directing is so lifeless. It's okay. so flat, nothing happens. Every shot is just so static and boring. Again, sword fight, Dinklage, Liz McCarthy, no good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of sequences, like, fun, 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 blah, 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 blah. sort of funny montage at the end of it describing their plan, and then it just ends with, because um, it's Liz McCarthy doing the voiceover for it, while she describes the plan to Kristen Bell and her boyfriend character, and it's showing it all happening while she's describing it, and then it's the final point of the plan is and then you suck his dick uh, to like the, her bo- the, the boyfriend character of a security guard he's like whoa, whoa, whoa wait what and it's the backtrack and that's pretty funny so there's funny moments okay um, Dinklage I, I don't know if he got paid too much or not enough for this because mm. he's being really weird 
but it's really kind of phoned in weirdness. Like okay. he's just being re- kind of picture Oscar Isaac's Apocalypse, okay. but Peter Dinklage. Okay. Like it's all just <laughs> this weird, very overly sexual sort of grunting noises, and oh, no. so it's just okay. weird. And I didn't like it. <laughs> and uh, there's there's probably a good four five laughs in it okay um the first half an hour is quite painful though because there's a lot of melissa mccarthy falling down which is both the the most default trope for females in comedies and you know overweight people in comedy Mm. it's just i mean there's a whole guy with her falling down some stairs and then Dinklage laughing at a video of that happening which itself is kind of funny to see because he's funny to watch laugh i suppose but this situation is not funny and also Mm. kirsten bell repeatedly for the first half an hour exclaiming how she's a single mother and how tough her life is mm. like, these are just so many stereotypes okay. um it feels like have you ever watched like kimmy schmidt or yeah, the, yeah yeah it's like if this was an, an episode of that it'd be okay. fine it's, it's kind of uh, totally okay. on, sure. on it's totally on that kind of level of that stretch for a full movie mm, mm-hmm. doesn't work this mccarthy can only salvage so much and if ghostbusters is anywhere near as bad as this it'll be a sad time for all because, yeah, it is, it is no good. <laughs> uh, but moving on from no good to better comedy-ish. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe. Nice guys. It's, yeah, actually funny. Well, not that funny at all. <laughs> A point that you made. The whole pantomime bad guy in mm-hmm. Money Monster. Yes. Like, I kind of feel like the nice guys doesn't get away from that either. Okay. In a way, it is just a hazard of the trade or whatever you call it. These kind of scripts can't really get away from the fact that big evil corporations are always going to be big evil corporations. You can't really change that without changing the very fabric of existence. You know, in the same way that the end of Money Monsters, hey, look, that guy, a bad guy, he's on YouTube and everyone's going to laugh at him for five minutes and then they're going to forget and he's going to continue being a billionaire. Actually, I really like that because I thought at the end (laughs) of that movie it was going to the whole... Oh, look, we caught him lying on television. Now he has to, you know, go to jail mm-hmm. for being a bad man. But it didn't. There was no mm. consequence. And they needed to cut the, like, the vines and the sort of the, the, meme, the memification sure. of his, you know, his big moment of betrayal uh-huh. of the public. But no one cared. I was like, that's actually really honest. Yeah, true. Yeah. I quite like that. But it does sort of, again, undercut the movie. It's like, what was the point of this? Like, what were you trying to say yeah, about I any of this? So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but sorry, yes, nice guys. Um, um, yeah, no, like, I think it is kind of similar okay. in that you can't really take down big business. No. I just, I feel like, I think Shane Black here, he was trying to go against the normal tropes, but he can't really in what he's doing. It's a very well-trod formula, and I don't think he really broke from it, personally. I will say, in terms of his own tropes, though, he held off at the very last minute of the Christmas thing. Yeah, I was I was kind of like <laughs> so reveal this at a Christmas. And no, that like literally the epilogue is like oh that's at a Christmas. Okay, good. Well done, Shane Black. There you go. Um, yeah, I had heard pretty meh things about this before I saw it from okay. yourself and some others, ah. and because um, I, I like Ryan Gosling and I kind of have come around to liking Russell Crowe again, uh-huh. and I like Shane Black generally. Um, the trailer didn't look amazing, but it looked fine, and I'll admit for the first I'd say half an hour, just I was pretty not on board. It mm. it was reminding me of. Inherent Vice, but okay. I thought Inherent Vice was funnier and weirder, uh-huh. and despite ostensibly being a more serious movie, was having more fun with itself, whereas okay. this one felt very, I don't know, just kind of shit. But once it hit that big party scene, pretty much till the end, I was on board. I, I kinda, it didn't find its energy for a while, which I guess is probably a lot of problems with these kind of movies where you have to introduce two characters and make them friends. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that's the thing. It struck me like this for like a prequel to a pre-existing series. Yeah, I think that's what they were going for. Oh, really? I think, I think, oh, there okay. might be, I think there's talk of like it becoming a TV show. Because <laughs> yeah, it just felt like a prequel to something that already existed. Like It okay. felt like we should know who these people are. Sure. And when mm-hmm. you get to the end of them setting up their titular agency and stuff, it's like, that as a payoff feels like it's a payoff if you knew that going in. Okay, like, I just, yeah. The whole thing felt like it was set up to a thing that didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, I think that's why the first half and ever you dragged for me. But once like, Kim Basinger showed up and once the actual thrust of the plot got going, I thought it was well above average action comedy. Like I think the action scenes were good. Like very, Shane Black obviously is an action director, so like very well shot and mm-hmm. edited. Like that whole last hotel sort of run through when it's just Ryan Gosling sort of bumbling his way through his entire sequence that was really like kinetic visually but also okay. very funny and i think the comedy definitely worked after a while gosling was great i think once he found his sort of energy in it he was great like, i just think his screaming never got unfunny <laughs> uh his general genuine physical presence was always good the the daughter character was also good russell crowe was fine um i didn't hate him mm-hmm. he was frightening as he always is as a human being in real life too and i thought they played each other fairly well i don't know if there was enough chemistry there that it felt like the way like the way it's been advertised like oh it's crow it's, mm. it's gosling Ooh, i'm like yeah they're good together they're not like great together mm. but on the whole i'd say it's well above average and i think yeah if you can kind of go with it after a while it's i've seen much less funny action movies uh or much less funny kind of action comedies and much less well done action in action comedies i'd say it's probably on the part of like you know pineapple express something like that oh, okay. where it's you know because that, that movie has that ridiculous action scene at the end, which is quite well done for the movie mm-hmm. it's in. And I was like, that's surprising. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. I sense a, a but coming <laughs> or a no. Uh, well, actually, Pineapple Express is one of my favorite movies. Oh, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, no, so... I've truly offended you now. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't worry. But, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's just, it, would be, it would be hard for this to live up to that. <laughs> no, okay. that's, fair, that's fair, that's fair. I did realize, actually, Mm-hmm. why uh, Crow and Gosling work together so well. Yeah. birds. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'd never thought of that before. I only realised uh, it today. Yes, okay. <laughs> so I've been holding that in all day. I got it out. I'm happy. <laughs> I kind of think that I like I, I, la- I laughed at it <clears> and I thought it was funny but I a- afterwards it was just the inconsistencies and the things that didn't work that stuck right. with me. Go on. As soon as the two of them started working together, there mm-hmm. was no conflict between them anymore. You know, and I kind of felt like they can't trust each other this well. They don't know each other. They will literally stab each other in the back if they get more money to do it. Or at least they don't know that the other one won't. I can't follow that logic on like a <laughs> screenwriting level, but I feel like I would have gotten bored with that if that had been like the running thread had been, do they trust each other? I think the fact that I just got over that really fast helped it because then the the comedy then came from what situations they were in rather than just them themselves not trust i don't know i but that kind of again feeds into the whole idea that i'm saying like it, it feels like a prequel to something else yeah yeah like once they're friends <laughs> they're friends yeah i, I can't fault what is, you're saying yeah weird, actually yeah because mm, they were still there wasn't conflict per se but they were still differentiated enough in my head like gosling was always going to be the psychopath okay and then crow was always the but, one that kind of was weirdly warm towards certain things I mean, and people crow was also the one who sometimes just like smashed someone's head in so yeah like, no they're I, both psychopaths that's mm-hmm. yeah i'm not saying they're not but <laughs> i think gosling was the more deranged one slash outright alcoholic whereas crow was mm-hmm. repeatedly kind of 
slightly more moral or he showed okay. actual concern yeah. for human beings now and again see that's the thing I think that they were really interchangeable because mm-hmm. like you have that uh, part where Crow where Ryan Gosling is like apologizing to the woman for taking her money and stuff so it's kind of yeah. like it, like to me they, they just kind of switched personas for whenever it suited the story I like to me they weren't um, they were just kind of like a weird amalgamation of one person just in two bodies I don't know something like that yeah there, then there was just stuff that didn't make sense really to me <laughs> stuff like I mean I, I suppose some of it's nitpicky but mm-hmm. you know this the sequence where um, where Ryan Gosling uh, hallucinates or falls asleep and there's a bee in the car <laughs> like I mean I don't even necessarily mind that but there was no explanation as to why that happened <laughs> yeah, no, uh, that was that was a full on like stoner comedy moment yeah. that didn't need to be in the film. I still liked that it was there because well, it was funny, but I know what you mean. Like it, it's completely contextless. Yeah, and, just... but the, and the other thing is, like, I mean, it was only there so that they crash, so that the this, oh, the money, this, yeah, the, yeah, 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 the suitcase would open and the money would pop out. So it's like that's just, okay, a funny but really lazy segue into furthering the plot i honestly wouldn't even have minded so much if they'd explained why any of that happened <laughs> like uh, oh, had even spiked or something i feel like there I was drugs know. involved but i mean weren't they driving to the or the, they, they'd come from um Kim Basinger's, Kim Basinger's yeah. office and were they driving to a party or something like i don't think they were at a party <laughs> i can't honestly tell you um <laughs> Yeah, no idea. Okay, can't follow that yeah. argument. I still thought it was funny, but yeah, no, it's 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 a non sequitur. Mm. So she was wasted too after Kim Basinger. Like when yeah. I saw her name in the crowd, I was like, oh, cool, but she didn't redo anything. No, she didn't. She and just... someone was pointing out as well, like you never believed she wasn't evil. There wasn't sort of enough doubt in there. I, don't I wasn't fully sure, like right off the bat, okay. but it was. Yeah, I suppose. Like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like if they'd given her more to do, maybe mm. she would have become a more kind of interesting character. But. uh they didn't <laughs> how do you feel about the way that it um because i was set in the 70s i i feel like it intentionally kept in the grit of the 70s mm-hmm. despite being ostensibly a much softer movie like with um i thought, I thought the opening was really strange because when the that car was, comes and then it's like the, no, the I, naked woman and yeah. like, that was really weird yeah it was very exploitationy and yeah, bizarre and I, equally weird that they had the, the kid from Iron Man 3. In the yeah. house. I guess that's because he's probably friends with Shane Black at this point. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was really weird. And then when main MacGuffin character gets shot dead suddenly, yeah. I kind of like that because I thought, again, like, okay. it's keeping yeah. in the grittiness of the 70s, but it, does, it feels a little off with the rest of it. Yeah, I agree. But I don't know. I still like that they did it, but it doesn't necessarily work. I don't know. It's no. weird. It's very strange. No, I mean, I, I, it did take me a while to figure out what had happened um, with yeah the opening sequence in particular mm. because i was kind of like okay did this happen in one of the main characters past? yes yes exactly was it a dream because of the yeah, way it, it because of the logic of it where he sees the photograph her naked yeah. and then sees her actually naked like the day like, yeah. that was a dream right and yeah. like, no that actually happened okay was, yeah no it was very strange I, I don't know that it was quite the way to start the movie but no it put me off anyway. it very quickly and <laughs> continue to do so yeah. but then I, I think the slapstick was just like i'm a big fan of good well done slapstick i think gosling especially just mm. did really good slapstick in this movie mm. and like i couldn't 
really say mad at it then especially okay. once that again once that party happened and like you know falls off the balcony and finds a dead body and then it's mm-hmm. just sort of can't scream and all oh, that was really funny and mm-hmm. the, the one shot that i absolutely loved the most was when they're going up to the penthouse to rescue the chick and then the hitman's already there so they get back in the elevator again and then oh, just yeah. as they're going down yeah, just the, the static shot the, of just yeah. the guy being thrown from the window <laughs> and uh, that was hilarious that was very good um they never explained how she got down from that building. She just no, fought no. onto their car and then yeah. was fine. Yeah, that's it. Like, I know Shane Black isn't sort of particularly renowned for writing no. good female <laughs> characters, but like, that was yeah. they were numerous at least. <laughs> they were. But, there were um, two kids, at least three women that were probably named. Yeah. I, I did kind of feel like um, making the sort of the token kid into a girl. I thought that was cheating a bit. You know. How kid- so? Kids are just kids. They don't have gender, you know? <laughs> if you actually wanted a female character in them, it basically just gets out or allows them to avoid interacting with the kind of women that they actually would. <laughs> Do you think... Because I feel like there's a lot of bits when she was talking to prostitutes and stuff and... Hang on, what are we mm-hmm. talking about? <laughs> oh, no, no. I just mean, like, the fact that the, one of the sort of main characters was female but was a girl. It means, like... Oh, we don't actually have to have any properly fleshed out female women in the movie. Are we talking about the daughter or like, yeah. wait, wait, Kim Basinger's daughter or his daughter? Oh no, his daughter. Okay, yeah. Yeah. See, I didn't think it. Uh, okay, I actually know what you mean now. That I kind of, I kind of got your point now. Um, that yeah, like, the gender wasn't important, so mm. having her on screen doesn't really change. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because um, I kind of like that they they sort of I don't know gender blinded the generic kid character, but yeah, no, I mean that was uh, kind of positive, but at the same time, and actually to be fair, I thought that um Ang- Anguri Rice, I think was her name, I like I thought she did a really good job mm. because I think if someone not as talented had played it, I would have hated that character yes. so much. I think that could be a Shane Black thing because I thought the same with yeah. Iron Man three, where yeah. like that character could have been insufferable, but they cast it well and he played off Daniel Jr. really well, and uh-huh. again like that character in this movie. She should have been lost amongst Gosling and Crow, mm. and yet she kind of held her own on yeah, screen really yeah. well. So I think it's, it. it's just a combination of good cast yeah. and good directing, I guess. But yeah, I agree. There's been a lot of recent years where kid characters have been kind of okay. Yeah, they're usually insufferable. But I think they finally got it in recent mm. years to do it. But yeah, I quite like. I like the fact that there were scenes where she was just hanging out with prostitutes and watching <laughs> hardcore pornography. Like that's funny. Yeah, no, it was good. Like I think the main problem with them. With sort of the, the direction in relation to her, was mm. she was far too capable. Yeah, like, that's always keep... a problem with kid characters. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I think it was even more so in this one. Like, do you remember this in particular? There's a scene when they're back at Ryan Gosling's house and mm-hmm. the hitman guy, the, the, the yeah. hitman guy comes along. For some reason, okay, we we leave where the Holly, the daughter, has the gun. He's there. And then we just cut to he's walking Something outside, thrown through a window. Yeah, yeah, and it, but but it's sort of like. Well, why? How did he get away? What happened there? Seems like she would have defended herself rather than just let him. I think away. even a line of dialogue explaining that she wasn't ready to kill someone would have been fine. Maybe, but yeah, I think you're yeah. right. Yeah, like it's not really. She, yeah, she's too capable, so they just cut away so yeah. they don't, don't explain it. I, yeah, I can't follow that. That's actually true. Yeah. So yeah, no, it was just it was stuff like that that made me kind of feel for whatever reason Shane Black doesn't want to stray too much from the sort of blueprint mm-hmm. of what buddy cop movies are. And I think Which that can fine. help it back. Well, okay. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it, it's not bad. It's just no. means it wasn't great. It was just good okay. for me anyway. Yeah, like my prevailing thought afterwards was that was definitely above average. But mm. I suppose that doesn't make it great either. So yeah, I, I still think I'd recommend it to most people. Um, like it, it is it's a solid comedy. There was a lot to laugh at. But I sort of agree that something 
if it wasn't for the aesthetic and the overall style of it, it mm. wouldn't really stand out for any reason. It would sure. just be another buddy cop. I guess again, like it's who's in it and what it looks like. Mm. That's the, the selling point. Because it is just underneath a weapon, basically, um, yeah. which is fine. That's okay. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. But uh, yeah, no, that's that is a fair point. I cannot fault your logic. So I still think it's better than most films mm-hmm. that I've, we've talked that's about so far today. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think we just have one more left to do, which is oh yeah, love and friendship. Love and friendship, which absolutely was not a film I'd <laughs> intended seeing when I because I hadn't heard anything about it. I'd seen the posters. I thought, okay, Kate Beckinsale, who I don't mind in a Jane Austen movie called Love mm-hmm. and Friendship. It'll just I assumed it was going to be some sort of because again we had this argument like at a party last week that uh, Jane Austen I've never read Jane Austen any mm-hmm. of it so I, I guess I'm conditioned by the sort of the cultural view of Jane Austen as mm-hmm. being this very oh Mr. Darcy and the, the shrimp and the no shrimp and the barbie no um, <laughs> why not <laughs> oh the canapes will be ruined like I, I assumed Jane Austen was all just that kind of shit uh-huh. Like I seem, I didn't think she just wrote that, but I feel like like a lot of like probably quite important cultural analysis comes from her novels and her mm. short stories. But I feel like she probably writes about a very particular thing, and that very particular thing is just these high class people having these, to my mind, boring romances. Mm-hmm. You corrected me saying no, a lot of her stuff's quite satirical and funny, mm. and I I didn't know that, and I thought this is kind of like maybe a one off kind of thing because like, people generally think of Jane Austen as you know the whole Mister Darcy thing and just romance mm. and you know, sort of Romeo and Juliet kind of forbidden love in the upper classes sort of thing. Whereas, and I, I, this is what I think is bad at this movie, is that the title is so generic. Sure, yeah. It's yeah. so awful. And it doesn't convey the fact that this is really quite a good comedy and, like, it's really witty. That's why I think the original title, which is Madame... I think it's Lady Susan? Lady Susan, sorry, yeah. yes. Um, is much better, I think, because I think mm-hmm. if I had a movie called Lady Susan, like, well, that's why is she the title character? Sure, why is she yeah. important? Whereas Love and Friendship is just such a bland goddamn title. Um, but yes, I suppose, oh, what is the plot? Well, yeah, sorry, just, <laughs> yeah, I actually, ahead, I was ahead. thinking about that since we were talking about it last week. And I kind of thought, well, as well as sort of being like, maybe more of a, a, a sort of a nice title, maybe people mm-hmm. would go thinking, oh, that sounds nice. But also like the something and something is what, Austin is known That's true. For. That's very true. So possibly it was just like a, put something in and in a something and something. People will think of Pride and Prejudice and because it is it is the name of one of her other books, isn't it, or something? Or yeah. the short story show or something? Yeah. yeah. But that was the point of because like, again, from the people that I know that have studied Austin, like Lady Susan as a novella, mm-hmm. the reason it sort of stands out is because it is sort of outside the rest of her canon. Like it doesn't really fit the rest of them, which uh-huh. is why the title is probably different. And yeah. yeah. But no, you're entirely, like marketing wise, very sensible title to go with because it's it's the double barrel thing and also not the barrel, whatever you call that. <laughs> and but also it's it sounds like a Jane Austen thing. In terms mm. of what people think of as Jane Austen, it sounds like a Jane Austen story. Yeah. But I still think people that wouldn't otherwise have seen this, that should have seen this, would avoid it for the same reason I almost did. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, right. But all that said in mind, it's about the non titular character played by Kate Beckinsale who is, as someone described to me, basically the female version of Mycroft Holmes, okay. uh, but with more sort of marrying for convenience and just general sort of low-level Machiavellian planning mm-hmm. towards her own financial future. That's I can't really describe the plot beyond that because I kind of got lost in the, the myriad of romances mm-hmm. and backstabbings and whatnot. And the, the inter- Actually, the opening put me off this because the opening is just this list of characters. Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah. do I have to remember all these people? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> But um, yeah, I think it, I laughed so much throughout this movie. Mm-hmm. I think it, well, I hate saying this, but it was really quite delightful. Mm. <laughs> it was just nice to watch. 
because I saw like a matinee screening and it was like full of old people. Oh, okay. And I was like, oh no, I was like, oh, I kind of see the appeal of this. Like, this was really <laughs> nice. Because uh, Kate Beckinsale, who I always think deserves better than she gets, because mm. I know her mainly from Underworld movies, they're not good, <laughs> but uh, she's fine in them. But this is, I think, one of her definitely better performances. Mm. She has a lot to do with this, uh, a, lot, a lot of fun with this one. I didn't ever peg her as having like comedic chops, but she can definitely deliver a good, funny line. Mm-hmm. Um, though I think in terms of comedy, What's-His-Face totally sold this. Oh, Tom Bennett. Um, what was that? the character's name? Sir James? Yeah, Sir James Martin. Yes, maybe. That's his name, yeah, yeah. He was hilarious. Yeah, so that's another was... character, like, like the kid character in Nice Guys. <laughs> I should have hated it. That should have been insufferable. Okay. Like his awkward attempt at small talk. Somehow, yeah. absolutely hilarious. Like in actual tears of laughter. It, 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 yeah, actually, he had me wondering, did people not know what peas were at this stage? <laughs> <laughs> because this is one of his... Or the Ten Commandments, that there were ten of them. Um, yeah. But, um, but yeah, well, I mean, one of the... <laughs> One of the scenes he is mm-hmm. eating dinner at a table and he's going, oh, these green balls are very interesting. What are they? Is, I mean, like maybe in the 1790s, people didn't know what peas were. I feel like they did because of the, the sheer incredulous yes, disgust everyone yeah. else at the table shows towards them as they're explaining to them that they are a toddler. I think they knew what it was, but that was, okay. yeah, that was it was so good. <laughs> I wasn't, I think Stephen Fry shouldn't have bothered being in this. No, well, yeah. It's a name on a poster. Yeah. Else. He's not really in it. He doesn't have any good lines. He's mm-hmm. just there. I didn't love the casting of What's Her Face either. Her American friend. Chloe's Chloe Savini. Chloe Savini, yes. Because um, I like Chloe Savini too. I just thought mm. she was a bit weird in this. Because yeah. she's a very intense actress. I know what you mean, and, yeah. uh, It didn't really work for me. I, she's still good in it. I just think she didn't play off Beckinsale yeah. as she could have, I guess. Mm. Um but you know Beckinsale was great I'm glad she's finally getting it because she's like I hate saying this she's she's pushing into being an older actress at this point like she must be in her mid 40s by now I say and you don't get many roles past your mid 30s mm. as most actors would tell you these days so it's nice seeing her getting a leading role almost a title role but they changed the name <laughs> uh, and I think I wouldn't be against her getting an Oscar nomination for this one I think she was nice. pretty good she's pretty good mm-hmm. it was all pretty good I mean I suppose would you would you call this an accurate representation of Austin's oeuvre generally? It seems like to me. I mean, I haven't read Lady Susan mm. in particular. The reason I got into reading Austin in the first place was um, I remember some uh, reading an article talking about how um, basically what she, when you get down to it, what she's writing is um, different um, mating strategies. Okay. <laughs> you know, that's that was sort of uh, particularly the the woman's job back mm. what they did in sort of the ballrooms their gossip and making tapestries or playing music whatever like that was their way of fig- of getting a husband this was life or, or death for them so it was yeah. actually rather than being sort of frivolity it's actually it's actually very serious business looking at Austin from that point of view I, I just think it's really really interesting so, you that's know. a good way to sell someone actually and also <laughs> it, that's exactly what this movie was about like Kate yeah. Beckinsale is very much like especially with her daughter she's trying mm-hmm. to sell her daughter on marrying whoever just for financial like safety and yeah, it, it, it yeah, is very yeah. much played like life or death so that's even though it's like amidst this sort of farce like narrative mm-hmm. yeah that's actually pretty interesting yeah okay um, this is my thoughts on it is that um, on a, in a year that we're sort of exploring what counts as horror I think yes. this I think this could be like my my horror movie of the summer. Okay, go on. Um, well, just thinking about you know any kind of classic horror character, Jason or or Michael <laughs> yeah. Myers or something, except for that she's 
inside the community rather than outside. Basically, like the whole movie is her using other people as pawns to get where she wants. Mm. And um, then at the end of the movie, she's married. And she's, she's got her money. She's pregnant. got her. She's pregnant with the Antichrist. Like let's not <laughs> let's not mess around. Like that is what is about to happen. Um, uh. Like she's she's also like she's ruined so many lives along the way. Yeah, she has. Um, <laughs> But the other thing is, like, it's like there's nothing anyone can do. She's won. <laughs> I, I still wouldn't quite go as far as saying horror, but now that you say, <laughs> I, there are several scenes of people when she's not in the room when they're talking about her. I guess if there was different score over that, or he just took those scenes in isolation, they are kind of describing like a natural disaster, just kind of brushes through their house and ruins everything. Yeah, and like it's almost like a war actually because they're talking about like how it's, it's stealing their sons. And, <laughs> Now that you say it, I guess she's kind of this weird, horrifying force of nature that ruins families. But, um... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it would be definitely pushing out the definition of Mm. what horror is. But, like, I just came out of it thinking, like, that was the the worst ending that... Like, that was the most terrifying ending you could have. Everyone is worse for what has happened. (laughs) Like, you know, she has won, and it's... I'm okay with her winning. Like I, get, I think it's back to again, like the whole thing of me saying I, I, I want to see Cersei win now. I just, okay, I really like go. sort of morally corrupt women in power. I think it's, <laughs> it's narratively very interesting. I, I always root is. for them. I always want them to win. Oh yeah. But that's kind of why I love Catwoman and stuff. I actually felt mm. like she was very quite Selena Kyle esque in the way she just socially manipulated things. I'm mm. Like yeah, I, I was happy she won. Like if, if someone else had, won, if, like if yeah. one of the, the if some, some man had won, I would have really annoyed <laughs> that. Like if Stephen Fry had sort of, well, he kind of did win, I suppose, in a way. Hmm. but um yeah i suppose that's the other thing the men are always going to win anyway so yeah. <laughs> she just won, won out of the women it's, it's a bit sad was that in this no that was penny dreadful sorry i think of where there's the, sort of the suffragette movement kind of happens in the show and then someone just stops it and goes it's gonna be dead in 10 years so just give up on your dreams basically oh. was that in this movie no it wasn't but there was a similar <laughs> kind of sentiment of just okay basically getting your back and deal with it uh but you know you you're still winning because you're, yeah, because you're not doing it for love. They think you are, but you're okay. doing it just for financial security. So I think, yeah, it's pretty yeah. bleak, I suppose, oh, but yeah. I, I still <laughs> like that she won and I like that she likes that she won. Mm-hmm. Like, she doesn't seem upset or annoyed that she's married to this idiot <laughs> and pregnant with his, you know, apparently hell off, hellish, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, well, it, well it's, it's her, it's the other guy's. Oh, you're child. right, it was. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I forgot about that. Um. So, yeah. No, and, and I mean, have you seen him? He's like, he's definitely Satan. It's like, there's no way he's not. Evil eyebrows and everything. What, what is your backup for this? Oh, he was the guy at the start that gets the one funny subtitle, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all you see of him is him just, like, looking really evil about three times. And then yeah. Like, I don't think he says a word. Um. I think you're right. <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, I, I thoroughly, it's probably gone to now, but I thoroughly enjoyed Love and Friendship. Mm. Um, I, I did not think I would. I suppose out of that that list of movies, what is your, your best and worst? Um, I'd say worst would probably be Apocalypse. Oh, yeah. um, okay. You know. I can't really argue with that. Yeah, and probably uh, Love and Friendship would be my best. So, yeah. What yeah, worst? Mm. I want to say Apocalypse 2, but I also kind of want to say Independence Day. Mm-hmm. You can give I, a joint. <laughs> See, I had more fun with Apocalypse, sure, but I'm not yeah. necessarily convinced that it's a better made movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like it, it's, Independence Day is just so bland, though. For sure, bland, I'll give it to that. Mm. For best, though, b- 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 I suppose it has to be Love and Friendship. Yeah. It probably has to be Love and Friendship. 
it's official. I mean, I will say, if it's still in cinemas, go see Eye in the Sky. I mean, didn't review it here, but I, I didn't get a chance to the last few episodes, and it's it's really good. But Ooh. other than Eye in the Sky, which we didn't talk about at all, go see Love and Friendship, if it's still there. If that's not still there, I suppose The Nice Guys isn't like a bad one to see. It's yeah. good fun. Mm-hmm. Would you rate AppFab higher than that, though? I don't know. They're probably similar, to be honest. Like, oh, really? Yeah. AppFab was so funny, but... It was also pretty lightweight, you know, like as in... Yeah, but like a comedy's goal is to be funny, so it's funny yeah. it's kind of one, hasn't it? I suppose so, yeah. So, yeah, maybe I would rate it above. Mm-hmm. Um, it sort of depends what you want to see, I guess. Yeah. Well, in any case, by the next recording date, we'll hopefully have finally seen Ghostbusters and Yay. everyone can just shut the fuck up about it. <laughs> uh, God willing, it won't be worse than The Boss mm-hmm. or indeed its own title song. So, until then, don't... Let women ghost ghost posts. Yeah, <laughs> ghost ghosts. yeah definitely Words are hard. Names are hard. <laughs> That's it. I've been horrible flarble. <laughs> Joined by blah blah blah. This has been the Flarland podcast.